All right, fishing tournaments this weekend, and uh, it's going to uh, support one of the ministries uh, that is a, a part of this church, um, Restoration Disaster Relief. Cliff Bishop, if you got if you'd like information about that, just ask Cliff. Uh, he, he sometimes comes to the service, but he's normally in the, in the early service. And uh, so if you know anybody interested, please uh, give them that information. And I'm so glad to want to say thanks for, to Kyla for uh, filling in today and glad that uh, it was good timing that she was here. She's been here now for a little while and kind of got her feet wet and knowing who we are that uh, she was able to fill in while Jamie had to be out of town on a, on a business conference this weekend. So um, I appreciate her. And uh, I, I was just glad to, I was glad to look up here this morning and, uh, say, and realize that, you know, we, we had... Jamie gone, and we you know look around and got a got a full stage, and we didn't have to borrow anybody to have that, you know. So uh, that's that's not been the way it's been in the past. We've always had to borrow people to fill in, and find somebody, and so praise God for that. That uh, uh, we've gotten to that place that God's really blessed us. A lot a lot of things, and we had several try out the early service this morning. Moved it to nine thirty to kind of entice people. wasn't quite as early, and so. Uh, and I hope we can do that because uh, this service has been filling up. We thought this holiday weekend, we knew several people would be gone. This would be a good time to maybe try it out a little bit and give some, somebody that chance and opportunity. Okay, so we're going to get into the message this morning, something. Um, going to the Old Testament, let me tell you this, uh, just remind you about the Old Testament. One of the reasons I like the Old Testament so much, New Testament's where we live. It's who we are. So it's uh, all the, the explanation of, of everything that God wants to do in us. But the Old Testament is the picture of the New Testament. It's the foreshadow of the New Testament. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like God gave us all these stories and pictures to see throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus shows up in the New Testament and explains what they mean to us. And it's like just beautiful pictures. I mean, it's, the, you know, just the life-related stuff. I mean, it's just the easy way to see exactly what he's talking about. And so today we're going to go back to the story of uh, Solomon because I... I just need to speak to you. We haven't spoken in a while on this. One of our, our core things around here is spirit of excellence. If you're going to do anything, do it with all your might. Do it to the Lord. If, if you're going to do anything, do it so that God gets glory for it. Not something that people look and say, well, you know, why would you do something like that? I mean, make it something that gives glory to God. So uh, by all means, do everything you can with, with a spirit of excellence. We haven't talked about that in a while. So... Um, let me just tell you this one thing. We'll have a word of prayer and we'll get to our scripture. We've got a lot of scriptures to read. and We actually had to skip some this morning uh, in the early service. We'll have to probably skip some uh, this service to get it all in. But, uh, you know, everything that you do in life has a right way. I mean, everything you do, there, there is a right way to do things. Would you say amen to that? Right. And everything has a wrong way. Would you say amen to that? No. There are thousands of wrong ways to do something. I mean, there's one right way to do something, and then there are thousands of wrong ways to do something. I mean, for example, somebody tell me something you do every day. Something you do every day. Brush your teeth, okay? Toothbrush, toothpaste, okay, right? You know, you put the toothpaste on the toothbrush, right? I mean, there's a certain way you do that. And, and you know, if... You don't just squirt the toothpaste in your mouth and then brush around with it, right? I, mean, they, I guess you could do that, but that'd be kind of strange, you know. And you use toothpaste, right? And you, you don't just use your finger. I mean, sometimes you do that when you, you know, when you've lost your toothbrush or whatever. You know, y'all never done that. You've had to just use your finger. Yeah, but that's not the best way, is it? You don't get them cleaned that way, do you? And you don't, you don't use just anything. I mean, you use the toothpaste. And when do you do it? 
uh, daily, we hope, right, or several times, especially before you come to church, right? We, we hope you do it on a, you know, that it's not something that you do just, oh, if I think about it, I'll brush my teeth. It's something that you plan to do, right? So, I mean, there's, there are, there's one way to do it right, but there are thousands of ways to do it wrong, right? Somebody else say something else. What was the other thing you do every day? Who was? What did somebody say? Somebody else said something. You drive, oh, there's one way to drive right, correct? And there are thousands of ways to drive wrong, and you guys are practicing them there every day, aren't you? I mean, texting or, you know, or, or uh, turning around and getting on to the kids while you're driving or those kinds of things. Uh, d- driving too fast, driving too slow is even wrong. I mean, driving, we drive on the right side of the road here. Other parts of the world can drive on the left side of the road. You know what? There are thousands of ways that you can drive wrong. There's only one way to drive right. In the same way, our spiritual life and the way we approach God and the way we approach our relationship with Him, there is one right way to do it. There are things that have to be done in a right spirit of excellence. And everything else is wrong. And there are thousands of ways that you can mess up. There are thousands of ways that you cannot do God's will. I mean, there are all, you know, there are all kinds of sins out there that you can do that will get you out of the will of God. And, you know, by not brushing your teeth right, you're going to get cavities. You're going to eventually lose your teeth. By not driving correctly, you're going to get a ticket. Maybe you have an accident. Somebody could get hurt. Somebody could get killed. By doing things right, you know, you know, barring just some of the weird something happening, everything's going to be okay. But when you do things wrong, you know there's going to be a penalty to pay. You know when you don't brush your teeth, you're going to have bad breath. Somebody say amen. I mean, you know, you know it's going to happen. I mean, still when you brush your teeth, you could still get a cavity. But if you don't brush your teeth, you know you're going to get cavities. You know you're going to have bad In the same way, still when you, you kind of try to do good things, you know sometimes you can still mess up, but, but when you don't try to do good things, you know you're going to mess up. And so in the same way, we've got to approach our relationship with God with a spirit of excellence. Because if we don't approach it, if we approach it haphazardly, if you approach anything in life haphazardly, you know you're going to do it the wrong way. You don't accidentally do things right. I mean, eventually you get into a habit of driving right, and you crank the car, and you kind of look, but if you're not careful, you'll get into a mode, and you, you know, you'll drive down the road for two or three hours, and then look up and say, how did I get here? I mean, if we're not careful, if we don't do things with a purpose, we won't do it with a spirit of excellence, we'll be doing it wrong. Now, here's what I need you to do. Now, I was standing here thinking, and, I, and I, one, of the things I, one of the things I struggle with in the early service this morning, and I don't want to struggle with this right here, I want to tell you this. I feel like sometimes I have, to, I have to talk people into the fact of believing that they need God in their life. I hope I don't have to talk you into that fact. I just feel like, you know, sometimes I, you know, I just push and I say, you know, you need God to show up in your life. And, and I, sometimes people just look at me with a blank stare. Well, no, you know, life's going pretty good for me. I really, I really want you to understand this. You need God to show up in your life. I mean, I, I could point out some specific things to some of you. Karen Chris was in our early service. She called me yesterday evening, and, and her, her dad is, uh, unless God intervenes, just uh, probably just got a couple more days, maybe just a few more days to live. And, and he, called, he called for the pastor to come pray. He wanted a pastor to come pray. He'd not been able to go to church for a long time. And I never met the man. He called for a pastor to come pray. You know what? He needed God to show up in his life. And he said, I need, you know, don't get to your deathbed. And then say, I wish God had shown up. Don't uh, get to uh, bankruptcy, you know, and say, I wish I'd have taken some time to want God to show up in my life and in my finances. You need God to show up in your life. So I want you, I want you to, to just go ahead and accept this supposition from me right now. Just 
right now accept this fact that you need God in your life. And, and I'm going to show you how, how Solomon got God in his life today. I'm going to show it to you. And so walk with me because when we get to the end of this, it's going to be, to me, it's something pretty amazing that has happened in the life of Solomon because of his spirit of excellence. Okay, so you're going to have to hang on with me through some of the teaching, okay? Won't be real shouting stuff necessarily, but hang on with me to that because we've got to get somewhere that you need God to do something powerful in your life. Let's pray. Father, I love you, and thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for, for the promises that you've given us. Thank you, God, for the teaching that you've given us through your Son. I thank you for these beautiful pictures of the Old Testament of how we actually do this in our life, to, God, to have a spirit of excellence, Lord, for great things to happen in our life. God, you, you have dreams for us. You have, you have blessings for us. You have uh, desires for us. God, you have gifts for us. You have great things you want to do for us, things you want to pour into our lives, God, if we'll just quit doing those thousands of wrong ways and and start doing things in the right way, God. I just pray, Lord, draw all of us, Lord, into this. And I pray, God, give us a desire to have a spirit of excellence about the way we approach our relationship with you, the way we approach building our lives. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Everybody said, thank you. Okay, come on, help me right here. Let's read together. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon because he had heard they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram have always loved David. And so... Solomon is now the new king of Israel, okay? Then Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, we'll skip down in the middle of his letter, now therefore command that they cut down cedars for me from Lebanon. And my servants, Solomon says, my servants will be your servants. So he's talking to another king. He says, and I will pay you wages for your servants according to whatever you say. For you know there is none among us, among all us Israelis, there's none among us who has skill to cut timber like the Sidonians. And so he's talking about, you know, your people. Then Hiram gave Solomon cedar and cypress logs according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household and 20 cores of pressed oil. Thus Solomon gave to Hiram year by year. So, Solomon, so the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he had promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. And the two of them made a treaty together. King Solomon also built a fleet of ships at Ezion Geber, which is near Elath on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. Then Hiram sent his servants with the fleet, seamen who knew the sea, to work with the servants of Solomon. Now, Solomon very early in his uh, reign, and he's going to build the temple of God. David wanted to. God said, no, you can't do it, but your son is going to build the temple. And so now he's getting ready to build the temple. Well, he's got to have the wood that he needs to build the temple. And so he sends word to Hiram. He says, hey, Hiram, how about letting me pay you for the wood and do this, 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 and this. Now, you and I, I meant we'd go down to Lowe's, right? We'd load up our cart. We'd go through the line. They would scan it. We'd give them our debit or credit card. We'd walk out the door. We wouldn't talk to Lowe's anymore, right? I mean, we don't need Lowe's anymore. Uh, You know, we're going to do the work. All we need is we just need the material. He could have done that. He could have just bought the material to build the temple of the Lord. But he didn't do that. It said that he made a treaty with the king. I want you to see this because this is an important point right here. He made a treaty with the king. He made a treaty with another king. And that, that sometimes sounds like a scary thing. But it's just to build a house. He made a, it. Was, seems like it was over a house. He actually did build a little fleet of ships. We don't know how many he had, but he built a fleet of ships. And Hiram and their ships kind of worked together. I mean, they were in a treaty. Now, if you think about who this is, this is Solomon. Solomon is the guy that that, uh, God gave a blank check to one day. He said, what do you want from me? He said, basically, 
tell me what you want, you know, whatever you want. This was a guy who, who had so much glory that people just came from everywhere just to hear the guy talk, just to hear him say things that rolled off the top of his head. You know, this was who Solomon was. He was not just any old king. He was the king. I mean, he was, when you think of kings, I mean, when I think of David, I don't think of David as a king. I think of David as a man after God's own heart. I think of David as a, as a guy who, you know, who chased after God, a guy who, who worshiped God and glorified God, danced before the Lord with all his might, wanted the presence of God. But when I think of kings and I think of glory and things, I think of Solomon. I mean, he was the king. I know Saul, he was a, he was a hard king in those ways. But when I think of kings, of great kings, of kings that had glory, I, this is the guy. But here is the point about this king, is the king needed another king. Now, it's amazing to me that Solomon, the king, would need another king. Why? He didn't need an, to me, I, I don't need another king. I mean, I'm the guy, I'm the man, you know, I, I, I'm bigger, I'm better than anybody else, anything else. Why do I need another king? I mean, you know, some of us, we, we, we've kind of got in our, in our idea, in our mind that, that, you know, Nick Saban is the second coming. Not of Christ, of Bear Bryant, you know, and that's, uh, you know, we can't get out of the past, you know, as Alabama fans. And we think, I mean, he's awesome. And Nick Saban doesn't, he doesn't need anybody, does he? No, you need, if you think Nick Saban doesn't need anybody, and he doesn't, you need to read a little bit more. You need to check out what he goes through, and you will see that Nick Saban is still learning. He, he says, I haven't learned it all. There's still more to learn. I, there's still something else. Somebody else is developing a new defense that I've got to take apart, or a new offense that I've got to defend against. And, and he says, I've still got to learn. And he goes and he goes and he keeps going after it. Here's something you're going to have to do. We're going to have to do, if we're going to have a spirit of excellence about it. And I know I haven't told you why you need the spirit of excellence yet, but hey, this is one of our core things around here, so you got to hear this. i, I got to get this to you. Here's one of the things we're going to have to do, though, if we're going to have a spirit of excellence. You're going to have to get rid of this attitude that you don't need anybody. I mean, th- this is an attitude that is just growing and growing and growing inside the church world, is I don't need anybody. I can get to heaven without, yeah, you know what, you can get to heaven without anybody else, but you're going to have a tough time on the road there. I mean, you know what? We were talking in the early service. Mike yelled out one of the things that he does every day is go to work. You know, well, one of the ways you can go to work wrong is to walk, especially if you, like he does, you work in Pelham. I mean, you know, that'd be tough, right? You know what? He can get to work without his car, can he? But it's a tough way to get there if you're going to try to go to work in Pelham without your car. And you know what? You can get to heaven without anybody else except for the blood of Jesus Christ. But you're going to have a tough life getting there if you try to go without anybody else. One of the first things you've got to do is you've got to say, I am not by myself. I need other people. You need to, you need to admit that to yourself. You need other people. And you've got to get rid of this thing that I can do it without anybody else. You can do it without... Anybody else's help. Yeah, you can get there without, with, with just the blood of Jesus, but you need more than that. If you're going to actually live and enjoy and have blessings and promises and dreams. And I'm going to tell you about some things at the end of this sermon. Very quickly, I'm going to tell you about some things. That, and to get to those places, you're going to have to get a spirit of excellence. And you're going to have to say, to, to attain the spirit of excellence, I've got to have some kings around me. You know, I've given you that quote from T.D. Jakes, you know, before you've heard me say it, that, you know, what you need to do is you need to figure out where it is you want to go and then find other people who are doing that and move into their neighborhood. 
You know, spiritually speaking, find ministers or find mentors or find things or find churches. You know, I I mean, listen, if this church is not going where you want to go, then go find another church because you need to be connecting with the people that are going to the place that you want to go. And when you find that, then connect with it and learn from it and and let it build you up and take you somewhere that you need to be. Uh, You know, if if it's a T.D. Jakes or a Billy Graham or a Beth Moore, and I still can't remember that lady's name I keep wanting to throw out here and that I asked Dave about the other day. But who, who, you know, whoever it is, and you've got to go. I've got, I've got two people that are mentors to me that I can call, drop of a hat. I can, I can, you know, unless they're busy, they'll answer the phone and they'll talk to me from. They live out of state, but they'll talk to me and they'll give me advice and things. I've got four churches that I follow regularly, like podcasts and, and things that the, their pastor writes and they do that. I because you know what. I haven't got this whole thing figured out. I'm headed somewhere. I've got a dream with God, but what I'm doing is, is I'm finding people out there that are accomplishing the dream as well, and I'm still reaching out and reaching for them because I know I need somebody else, and I need God. Somebody say, I need God. You need God. But you know what you do? Let me, let me, let me put this in, in just real easy-to-understand terms, I think, right here. You know what you do when you don't pray every day? You're saying, God... I just don't have anything to say to you today. That's what you're saying. When you don't take time to pray, you're saying, I don't have anything to say to you today, God. You know, maybe I'll talk to you tomorrow. When you don't read your Bible every day, what you're saying is, God, I don't need you today. I got it figured out. I got it handled. I'm okay. You know, and when you don't take time, when you pray and you read your Bible, and you don't take time to stop and then listen and see if God is saying something to you in the middle of all that, then you know what you're saying? You're saying, God, I really don't need to hear from you today because I've got all my answers. I've got it figured out. When you don't come to church, I'm glad you're here today. You're not listening to this on the podcast, so you, you don't feel bad about it later. But when you don't come to church, you know what you're saying? You're say- I know people think, I'm saying, Pastor, I don't need you today. No. You see, I didn't create this church thing. I didn't make this. It wasn't my idea to have church. This was God's idea. 2,000 years ago is when he created it. But you know what? It was in his mind years and years and eons before that is God was creating a church. Why? Because he knew you and I would need to be together. We need fellowship to be together. And when you don't involve yourself in Christian fellowship and, and connecting, we, we give you a lot of opportunities around here. But you've got to find a way, a small group, somewhere to have fellowship. We even do our, our, our team ministries once a, a month, have a, have a fellowship. And, you know, and, and, and ministry. You need a ministry. Outlet. When, when you don't get in fe- involved in fellowship, you're not involved in a church in some way, you're telling God, I don't need what you told me I need. I don't need what you thought I need. God, I'm smarter than you because I don't need the thing that you said I need. I don't need fellowship. Or I don't need a ministry outlet. God, I'm, I don't need to use the gift that you, you gave me a gift, but God, I didn't really need it. I don't need to do anything for you. When we don't do those things, you need to be involved in, in, in all these things. You need to be praying every day. I, I, if I had time and, and I and I almost, I almost built this into the message, but I know I just didn't have time to give it to you today. But if I had time, I'd, I'd give you five steps right now of everything that you need to be doing every single day of your life. If you're going to have a spirit of excellence, you've got to, you've got to decide not to just float through life and figure out, because here's what's going to happen to you. If you don't, if you don't decide that you're going to do your life and your relationship with Jesus and, and building the temple of God in your own life, if you don't do it the right way every single day, you're going to end up 
by accident, you're going to end up doing it one of the thousands of wrong ways, and you're going to eventually start to grow cold in your relationship with him. You're not going to be able to hear his voice. the, The pastor's going to preach, and you're going to say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. You're going to read a scripture, and you're going to say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. You're, you're not going to hear him. You're going to be going your own way. And eventually you're going to find yourself outside of a relationship with God. And you're going to be, you're going to be just living a, a, a physical relationship around a bunch of Christians. And that will be all that your spirituality is anymore. You've got to go back to a spirit of excellence in all that you do. Let me show you a spirit of excellence right here. Now the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, its length was 60 cubits, width 20, height was 30 now a cubit is a foot and a half basically so this this thing was like 90 foot long and and uh what 30 feet high and 45 feet wide and he made for the house windows and he made for the house windows with bevel frames these were those clear story windows you know up at the top like go down the sides way up at the top you know just beautiful some of the pictures that i've seen and i just had to throw you know why why was this in there i skipped several verses but i had to throw that one in there why was that in there just to Tell us some of the little detail of the things that he made. Not, not some of the things that God said, now, now do it this way or this way. A lot of this stuff was just stuff they did extra. And the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone, finished at the quarry, so that no hammer or chisel or any tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. So, you know, we didn't have a, a carpenter sitting outside the, the door here so that, you know, while we're building something, just yell out, hey, we, you know, we need a two by four, four inches, and, uh, or, or four feet and two inches long, you know, and, and he was cutting it. No, they did all that way away from the temple. Now, they were doing it, you know, just as, as, as a sign of some of, the, some of the attention, the detail that they were, they were giving. No hammer, no chisel was heard. Then it says, verse 15, he built the inside walls of the temple with cedar boards from the floor of the temple to the ceiling. He paneled the inside with wood, and he covered the floor of the temple with planks of cypress. I mean, this has got to be beautiful. Think about how, how this looks. And he prepared the inner sanctuary inside the temple to set the ark of the covenant of the Lord there. And, and I wish we had time. If we had time, we could read through all this. This is some beautiful stuff. You, you need to read these verses and, just, and just, just look at the detail of all the work they did. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long or 30 cubits long, so it was 30 by 30 by 30. He overlaid it with pure gold. He overlaid the entire inner sanctuary part of the temple with pure gold, and he, and he overlaid the altar of cedar with pure gold as well. Inside the inner sanctuary, he made two cherubim, or two like angels, but don't think like Cupid-type angels. Think like men-type warrior angels. He, he made two cherubim of olive wood, each 10 cubits high, 15 foot tall. And he overlaid the cherubim with gold. So now he made these 15 foot tall. Their wingspan reached halfway across uh, the temple, each one of them. And, and, he, and he covered them with gold as well. And the floor of the temple he overlaid with gold, both the inner and the outer sanctuaries. And so here again, and now he's, you know, he's got all this beautiful wood, but now he's even covering it with gold. And in the 11th year, in the month of Buell, which is the 8th month, the house was finished in all its details and according to all its plans. So he was seven years in building it. It took him a while to do it. Why? Because of the attention to detail. We could throw it up in just a, I mean, we could throw up a, a building. I mean, what are we talking about, 90 foot long? I mean, it's, you know, decent little sized house. I mean, we could throw that up in just a, you know, a couple of months we could have that done, right? 
not with the attention to detail that they went to. I mean, they, they, if, if you read that, you need to read that sometime later and see the, the carvings that they did in the doors and the carvings that they did in the walls and, and, and even the, the two brass pillars that they put right outside the temple and, and the carvings that were there and then on the top of it. You need to just read all this, the pomegranates and the, the palm trees that were carved and all this, just beautiful, the attention to detail. And, and why is all this so important? Because it's about a spirit of excellence. You know, they, they didn't go down to, to Lowe's and, and find what was on sale in the back room. They, they went and they gathered the very best that they could gather. They brought it in. They spent time and, and, and effort and made it sure everything was overlaying it with gold. And I mean, there's even a place here and you can read that, that, uh, that God had blessed Solomon so much that silver had become almost nothing. They wouldn't even hardly use silver with anything because silver was just, uh, it was just secondary. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's just a, an inferior metal to them than gold was. Everything was overlaid with gold. It was covered with gold. All this attention to detail because of the spirit of excellence. Let's go on. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem. He called everybody together so that they could bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. So all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the Ark. Then they brought up the Ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites brought them up. And King Solomon, also King Solomon, all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered from multitude. Let me throw this in. I, I just I told you I had to skip a lot of scriptures. One of the scriptures that we just skipped over said that they brought, when they brought in the, the, the ark of the covenant and put it in its place, then the glory of God filled the temple so strongly that the, that the priests could not even perform their service. It would, be like, it would be like God being so strong in here that Kyla, Kyla would have just had to back away from the keyboard today said, so, you know, I, I, I can't even do this. This, this is a God thing that I would have to just shut up right now and that everybody would just be awed by the presence of God that was in here, that the priest could not perform the ministry in the temple. Also King Solomon, oh, then the king of Israel, and they offered sacrifices before the Lord. And look at this. Solomon offered sacrifice peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord, 22,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. On the same day, the king consecrated the middle of the court that was in front of the house of the Lord, for there he offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat and peace offerings of the bronze, on the, because the bronze altar that was before the Lord was too small to receive the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings. What he said right there is they, they had to go outside the temple, and, and they had this big altar that they had erected. But this altar, if you look at it, it was, if you look at the dimensions there, it was 900 square feet, the altar, that they would kill and they would sacrifice these animals. 900 square feet. Our first house was just a little bit smaller, or just a little bit larger than that. You know, I, I'm 900 square feet is a pretty good, you know, pretty good thing. And it said they had to consecrate the ground out in front of the temple because they had so many sacrifices to make that the, that the altar would not hold them. So they had to just make them out there on the ground. Look at, look at all of this, this, this attention to detail. And now they're dedicating the building and look at their attitude toward God. It's not going to be cheap. We're not going to give dimes and quarters. We're going to give some dollars here today. You know, I mean, this was the attitude they had. You know, I remember hearing a, a story one time of a, an evangelist said that a lady came up to him after church and she said I really want to get involved in this mission thing that you've got going on and she wrote him a check and she handed it to him he didn't even look at it she said well is, is it enough and he said does it represent you 
And she looked at him. She took the check, tore it up, wrote another check. She said, how about that? He, she said, is that enough? He never looked at the check. He said, does it represent you? She took, tore it up and she wrote an even bigger check. He didn't even know what the first two were, but the last one was a big check. And she said, here, this represents me. You know what? It doesn't, the amount doesn't matter. What matters is, does it represent you? What's your attitude about God? What's your attitude about glorifying Him, about worshiping Him? Is it something you can do cheap? Is it something you can do quick? Is it something you can do it and not throw your schedule off for the rest of the day? Is it something you can do it and, and not cost you so much that maybe you gotta skimp and save and something here? What is your attitude about your relationship to God? That's the whole thing right here, is we've got to pay attention to what our attitude is here about this. And so here, they dedicated, they gave in this way, all this, and, 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 and you know, here's, here's a, I guess, you know, uh, one of the, one of the biggest things we could say about all this is the difference in, in all this is, is I brought all this together and God's glory shows up and all these things. The difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament is this. They were finished. Because the temple was done. Because it was a physical building. But that's an Old Testament temple. Where's the New Testament temple? Where is it? Where? Right here. There, 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 there. The Old Testament temple was a house. But the New Testament temple that the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of God dwells in, is our own bodies. Who we are. And so you know what? They finished. But you and I will never be finished with building the temple of God. Not in our lives. And what they were building is they were building the place where God would meet with them. And man, he met with them that day. He showed up in such a powerful way that they couldn't even, they couldn't even minister back to him. They just had to stand in awe. And they got finished with it and all this happened. But you and I will never be finished because we'll always be working on it every day. And what are we working on? We're working on this temple. We're working on this place where God meets with us. We're working on this spiritual place inside of us. This place where, where we talk to him and he talks to us and we get direction and he gives us guidance and he teaches us how to do things better, how to treat other people like we should, how to reach out to him, how to become more of the man of God or the woman of God we need to be. I mean, spiritual direction that guides us places that, that nobody could give us direction. And we're building this and we have to build on it. Every You and I will never, the difference is you and I will never be finished like they got finished. But every day, every week, every moment that we live, we got to build the temple. And I know you say, man, uh, we got to do it. Uh, you know, when, when, we, when, we, when we look at it in these terms of the way we normally look at spiritual service, we're not getting the whole picture of what it is God's wanting to do. I mean, it's almost like we look at it as God gave us a job. We've got to read our Bible. God gave us a job. We've got to pray. God gave us a job. You know, we need to pay our tithes, support missions. God gave us a job. We need to show up at church. God gave, and it's like all these things are jobs of things, stuff that we have to do. And if that's what it is to you, you haven't gotten it yet. Because it's not a job. It's relationship. It's relationship. And you know, I don't, I don't wake up at the beginning of a new week and roll over and tell David, look, I told you I loved you all last week. I just don't know if I want to do that this week too. Not because it's a job. Because it's relationship. You know, I got to tell her again this week that I love her and prove it. Not just tell her, but prove it. And so with God and building my temple, it's not just a job of reading my Bible. It's not just a job of praying the prayer. It's a relationship. It's building it every day. It's working on this temple every day and doing it with a spirit of excellence. Every day, every week, 
Every, every moment, it's like every time we come together, you know, it, it's, it's those things we were talking about earlier that, you know, if I don't pray, if I don't read the Bible, if I don't, what am I telling God? But if I do pray, I do read the Bible and, and I do reach out to Him and I, I'm being involved in the things He said are good for me, then I'm saying, God, I do need you in my life. And it's about building the relationship. All in a spirit of excellence. You've got to do this. Why do I have to do this? Well, you've got you to do this just to be right. You know, I mean, I'm about to talk to you about the big blessing out of doing all this. But listen, we're adults. You just do this because it's the right thing to do. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Come on, smile at me. I'm not being that mean today, am I? Because I'm headed somewhere with this. I'm looking at I'm looking at you. I'm listening to you talk during the week and telling me how you know how you're struggling here, you're struggling there, and you need this and you need this. And I just want to say, my goodness, start putting it together. That's where I'm preaching today is pull all this together and start seeing some of this stuff begin to fall into place. Because it will. It will. Let me show you. Once again, before I show you the good, the why, can I tell you? We're adults. Again, let me just say it. We're adults. We need to do it because it's the right thing to do. You need to wake up in the morning and read your Bible and pray to the God that created you and gave you a new day and say thank you. You need to do it because, it's, and you do it with the spirit of excellence because it's the right thing to do. But there is blessing. There is benefit out of the spirit of excellence. Look, chapter 9. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. When God appeared to him at Gibeon, he said, right, here's a blank check. What do you want? Solomon said, I want wisdom. When he got that, he appeared to him. And now what is, he appears to him the second time. Two times. How many of you have ever seen God? Anybody? Anybody ever seen God? I've never seen God. And Solomon got to see him twice. Now, I know those scriptures there, you know, where Moses said, I can only, look, can only look on the hind parts, you know, and I know all that. So I don't know exactly how God appeared to Solomon and not kill him, you know, with his glory and his holiness and his majesty. We don't, that's a Wednesday night question and answer teaching session. That's not something we can get into on a Sunday morning, okay? I, I don't understand it, but I do know this. The Word says God appeared to him. Didn't say God talked to him. Didn't say God impressed. It said God appeared to Solomon. Let me tell you something. That's something I need in my life. I, I don't have to see him with my physical eyes, but I need God to show up in my life. This way, can I tell you something? I need God to show up this week in my life. There is something in my life that I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about Rick Hand. I'm talking about your pastor right now. I need God to show up in my life in some area this week i got to have him show up. I need this to happen in my life. And you know when it happened? How, did it, how is it that Solomon got to have it happen twice in his life? He, got, he showed up twice in his life. You want me to show you? It's right there in verse 1 where we read just a moment ago. It came to pass when Solomon had finished building. When he had done what he was supposed to do, God showed up. That's when it happened. You know, now he finished. You and I are not going to finish. We're going to have to do this every day. But you know what that means? That means every day we've got, we, can, 
do something that lets God show up in our life. That means every day I can build the temple. That means every day I can build this place that I, uh, I communicate with God. And every day He can show up in my life. Man, I need that. that. I needed to hear that word today because I need God to show up. And so tomorrow, when I'm working on this temple, I'm working on my relationship with God, thank God, I've got the opportunity. I am giving God a place to move into my life and to show up, to appear to me, to do something powerful, to do something I need done that you can't do for me and you can't do for me and Donald Trump can't do for me and Oprah can't do for me you know and Dr. Phil can't do for me I need God to show up and the way I can get God to show up is do what Solomon did is to do the things I'm supposed to do with a spirit of excellence and when you do that then God is going to show up in your life I'm going to have to skip this next part I skipped in the early service I'm going to skip it right here let me show it to you just real quick just the just the point Mike the Queen of Sheba shows up and she heard about how great he was. She shows up to just check him out. And she and, and, and it, it amazed me when I read through these verses of Scripture. And I, I don't have time to read them. But when I read through them, just how impressed she was with all the little details of stuff. That she was paying attention to the servants and the waiters and all those things. Now, let me tell you, sometimes it takes a lot to impress me. But it takes a whole lot to impress a queen. And she was impressed. The impact of a spirit of excellence that it will have on the people around you. You need somebody around you to get, get salvation, to get a relationship with Jesus Christ, to get their life right? Let me tell you, get a spirit of excellence, and your spirit of excellence will impact them. It is a powerful thing. I don't have time to preach that mess, that point, though, because I spent too much time on other stuff. Let me go to this last thing. Come on, Kyla, if you will. I want to go to this last thing. Here's the very, very, very last thing I want to tell you. I've got some scripture I want to read to you, and... Um, I'm going to give you this one last point. And, and, and it again is the reason why. You need God. How many of you need God to show up? Listen, come on. Let's, let's not be embarrassed and, and worry about that. Pastor's already told you, I've got to have God show up somewhere in my life this week. How many of you need God? And I, I'm not saying that you've messed up and you've got a big problem and you're about to go through bankruptcy or you're you know, uh, about to lose your kids to DHR or something like that. Because I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying how many of you, like Pastor today, say, I need God in my life this week. Raise your hand. Come on. Okay. I want to ask everybody in the house to come and stand right here. Let's close. Thank you for raising your hand telling me that. Because like I said, man, that's something I, I really struggle with. It just feel like sometimes i got to talk people into needing God. Even when I already know they do. One last point. How about it? If God came to you like he did Solomon and Gibeon, how, how, how about you? And he said, what would you have me do for you? What would you fill in? be awesome it'd be awesome to get God say what do you want me to do I know what some of you do I don't know what exactly but I know the word million would be on there somewhere I just don't know how many million that's what some of us would do wouldn't we we'd put a number down here's what I need God and we'd put a number down that would be the thing that we would have this will solve all my problems I can quit that old hard job not worry about that worry about that boss anymore or I can get that job that I need. I don't even need it anymore. That's what a lot of us would do. But you, know, what is, you know what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. And, you know, it, 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 he already had a little bit of wisdom, obviously, to ask for wisdom. 
He knew the power of wisdom. So he had some wisdom in the first place. And he said, God, give me wisdom. It's kind of like that old proverb you've heard of, haven't you? Give a boy a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a boy to fish, and he eats for a lifetime. He could have put a big number on that check, God giving it to him. And, man, he would have spent that in no time, especially building this temple. And you ought to read about his house he built. I mean, man, his house was awesome. And he built more than one house. Had to build houses for all those all those queens that he had, wives that he had. He had gone through that, but he understood to get wisdom. Because wisdom would get him all these other things. Look at these verses. The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Does anybody know how much that is? I had to look it up. Okay, I'm not that smart. See, I told you, I, I, I know I need help. So I had to go find somebody else that knows. And look at what a talent was first. Because I, the the... Newest estimation I could find was 2004. And back in 2004, somebody had estimated, they showed me how they did. I saw this online. It was over a quarter of a million dollars was how much money was coming in every year. And not counting, the very next verse says, that doesn't count all the stuff that he would, like he would sell to other countries and things and how he would bring stuff in. Over a quarter of a, of a I'm sorry, did I say million? A quarter of a billion dollars. Over $250 million. That was, but that was 2004. I thought, I, you know, gold. Gold's a lot more expensive now than it was then. All these economic problems we've got. So I, I said, well, I, got, I just got to figure it myself. So I took their, you know, all these things they have. But then I just inserted 12, over, it's over $1,200 an ounce as of Thursday or Friday of this week. I think Thursday. Over $1,200 an ounce. You multiply that out. His, his annual income to his country, to his kingdom, was over $900 million dollars. Nearly a billion dollars every year was what was coming into his kingdom. You know what? He could have squandered it by writing, God, give me a million dollars. He could have squandered it and been gone. But because he asked for something so great, I meant even in his asking, even in his praying, even in responding to God, he had a spirit of excellence. Give me wisdom. And you know what happened? I don't know how I can say this to you for you to understand it, but I want you to get this. What happened was because he was had the spirit of excellence, his wisdom and his possessions and his riches and his glory and his majesty, they all fed off of one another. And his wisdom begat riches. And his riches, because he could leverage his money right, his riches begat possessions and even more possessions. And then those things begat glory and majesty that always pointed to God because people would say, oh, what a God that would find a person like you to lead His people. And His majesty and glory would bring more people in to hear His wisdom that would bring more money and more possessions and more glory and more majesty and more wisdom and more glory. And see, they were just feeding off of one another. And how did it happen? Because He had a spirit of excellence. You see, what we do is it's just like trying to... We write that check at such a small amount and we squander the opportunity God wants to give us to have great in our lives. Great dreams. Great good. And what we do is we get our mind focused on, you got one problem that you raised your hand about a minute ago. And if this could just happen, if God would just show up and fix this, everything will be all right. If you're not careful, that's your attitude you'll have. And you'll miss what God wants to do. God doesn't just want to fix your one problem this week. 
God wants to start a dynamo inside of you that begins feeding off of everything else in your life because you begin to get everything right in your life and start doing things right in your life in building the temple of God and your relationship with Him that He can give you the blessings and the miracles and the dreams and the, and the possessions and the finances and the, and the wisdom and the, and the glory and the majesty and all the things that He wants to put in your life and it's going to happen not because you talk Him into it by being here today but because you do what is right in a spirit of excellence in building this temple building relationship with Him every single day of your life. So, now what you want to write on that? You want to write, have you got one little thing to write? Let's write. God, do it all. Everything, everything you've planned, everything you've thought of, everything you've dreamed in my life, do it all. Don't hold back one single thing, but give it all to us. Come on, bow with me, pray right now. Kyle is going to lead us in a final song. Trace is going to close us in a moment. But I don't want you to start singing with Kyla. Don't start singing until you finish praying right now.